turning to Psalms, so this morning we're going to read uh, Psalm 90, verses 13 to 17, as a prayer. Make us glad, for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord, our God, rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Lord, we pray today for your favor to rest on us. As the psalmist prayed there, that you would establish the work of our hands. I'm thankful for the work of the hands of the ladies on Saturday and collecting those supplies and giving them to someone in need. That's a good work. Lord, I pray that you would honor and bless that. Those who receive that would be blessed. Would you bless, Lord, all Christians, all your churches, all your people here in in this community, this county, this state, this country, this world, Lord. May the spirit of prayer be in your people. Call us to prayer. Raise prayer up deeply in us. Let us do spiritual warfare through prayer. Teach us that, Lord. Teach us to pray your word. We pray that revival would spread as it is in Asbury College in Kentucky right now. We're thankful for that move of your spirit. Uh, Fifty years after you moved in a great way at Asbury, you're doing it again. Lord, may that spread to college campuses, Christian and non-Christian colleges, campuses all across this country and world. That would be an exciting explosion of your spirit moving in young people who don't have that Christian background in many cases. We think that you do repeat yourselves where you move in great ways. The first great awakening when George Whitfield preached in Williamsburg and a couple people from Hanover County went to that and were inspired and brought that revival back to Hanover. Lord, do it again here. Move in a great way in this community, this country, and this world. We think of the hurting people that lost loved ones in the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Our heart goes out to them today as they're grieving the loss of loved ones in such a sudden way. Oh, Lord, I pray that as they cry out to God, they would be crying out to the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you would reveal yourself to them and that they may come to saving faith. We pray for Mildred McQuallan today who grieves the loss of her 19-year-old granddaughter and others that are grieving and have heavy hearts today. Minister to them. Give them comfort and peace. We pray for healing for Bob and Ted and Betty and Mike and Bill and Brent and the Wilmus. And Michael Heiser, my favorite modern theologian who's dying of cancer. We ask for a healing touch for all of these people and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pray with the children, and a lot of them are up here already. Uh, Come on down. You guys are going to be gone. Okay, kids. I'm glad you're all here today. I'm excited that you are learning more about Jesus. Okay, let's pray, kids. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for giving us these children 
to nurture in the ways of the Lord. We pray that they will learn more about Jesus, their Savior. In his name I pray. Amen. Bless you, kids. Well, as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we're in chapter 6, the last chapter, the past few weeks, we've examined the Christian's enemy, and we've also examined the Christian's equipment. And the last piece of equipment that we examined was the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as we looked at that a little closer, we saw that the word for word in the original language that Paul would have written it in was not the usual logos, but the unusual word rhema, which my definition for that is a special word for special circumstances. Here's the key thought of the morning that I really want you to grasp and go away from. God will give you a word as you're in the word. So every day you have your Bible open, you're reading something in the word, maybe that morning, and something comes alive to you, jumps off the page, a special word for special circumstances, a rhema word comes to you, then you pray that word. That's your secret weapon. I'm going to invite Kathy to come up here and share a little bit her experience in doing this. She's been praying the word for a number of years, so I thought it might be impactful if to hear an example of this being done. Um, if we know that the armor is basically for all of us, then we would assume that this passage that Ed's going to share from is for all of us as well. Um, so, when we had first arrived in Marysville, we're starting at a new church, and um, was beginning to pray with a, a prayer partner who gave me a book, um, Andrew Murray's The Gift of Intercessory Prayer, and it really became um, kind of a book of destiny for everything that I had seen happen so far in my Christian walk and just explaining all that to me. And I realized that this calling could carry me the rest of my life. As long as I had a sound mind, I would be able um, to pray. So it wasn't long before we really realized um, Marysville was going to be a very spiritual experience. And... Um, I looked at it as, like, deep, thin pockets from the community were being entrusted into our midst through people that were attending and realizing that spiritual warfare was going on and authority was needed. And so I remember many um, bewildered times going into this field behind the high school, knowing that somehow God had authority for these things, but how is it going to be exercised? And it started becoming real to me from the passage that Ed is sharing today. Um, he introduced it as the rhema. He said special word for special circumstances. I guess I call it the speaking word. But it has literally transformed these last 25 years to the present that there's the sword, the rhema, and then praying it. So the passage reads, um, Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Then it 
I think, includes take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And then there's a couple other places that I think are saying, bringing the two together, um, Jude 20, like building yourselves up in your most holy faith, which I believe the rhema, the speaking word, the word will do, and praying in the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 6, verse 4, Peter knew they couldn't leave the, their devotion to, we, 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 will, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there just is a marriage of these two together, I think, until the end of time. Um, years ago, we read Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, and he spoke about that word that speaks. It could, we could call it, it was light for us, it lifted off the page. Um, on the road to Mass, they said our heart burned within us. But he said this isn't leading to an encounter with God. It actually is an encounter with God. And in our worship song, it says, you were the word from the beginning. So it has become a practice that um, is, is daily of praying the rhema over everything. Um, if you ask me to pray for a physical need, it's probably going to turn into praying this. From government leaders to physical needs. Um, so just finally, if, if the armor, the shield of faith, all that is meant for everyone, I believe praying the speaking word is meant for everyone. In wartime, this is a spiritual warfare context, communication is so important. You've got to move troops and supplies. Maybe you've got to change strategies so the commanders need to, to communicate that to the people on the front line. Satan wants to disrupt your communication with God. He wants to discourage you from praying. He wants to get you to stop praying because prayer is how you communicate with God and how he'll communicate back with you. God wants those channels kept open in your life. Now let's look at our text, and then we'll walk through it. Ephesians 6, 18 through 24 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. The words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. We're finishing the book of Ephesians today. Someone said that there are two types of Christians, those who pray and those who don't. Now, I'm not reading that quote to you. To discourage you in any way. You may be feeling when you hear that, yeah, I should pray more. 
I'm not very satisfied with my prayer life. And I would say, amen, I'm not either. I desire more. I want more close connection with God through prayer. So let's, rather than just be discouraged and feel like it's hopeless, let's work with what we've got, where we're at in our prayer lives, and build from there and improve it and increase it. The enemy doesn't want you to know what a big secret weapon that you possess in prayer, because prayer changes things. God does very little, it seems, outside of prayer, although he could do everything outside of prayer if he wanted to. But it seems as though God has created this world with our prayers in mind and how things happen. So many promises in the Bible attached to prayer. Prayer is how Jesus stayed connected with the Father. Jesus was God and is God. And yet, while his time on earth, he felt the need to pray. And so it seems like we would also need to pray. Satan doesn't want you to pray. He hates the Christian on his or her knees because he knows prayer is really your secret weapon. So this last piece of equipment we're going to look at really isn't the sword of the spirit. It's prayer. And prayer is an offensive weapon. God answers prayers. I bet every one of us could raise our hand this morning to say, yes, sometime in my life, I have seen God answer prayers on my behalf. Maybe it came as a surprise to you. Have you ever prayed for something, but really secretly in your heart, you didn't think it was going to happen, but you still thought I should at least pray about it. It reminds me of a story in Acts chapter 12 of the early church. Peter was arrested, imprisoned, and was going to be executed the next morning. And the church gathered, it says, to pray for him, for his release. And an angel of the Lord was sent by God to Peter's jail cell in the middle of the night. And I always thought it was interesting. He had to wake him up. I don't think I would be sleeping so soundly that I needed to be hit to wake up. I think I'd be so nervous about what was going to happen to me in the morning. But Peter was calm and peaceful and asleep. And the angel woke him up freed him from his uh, chains, led him out of the city. And then Peter came to the house of the Christians who had gathered to pray for him. Remember that story? He knocks on the door. Rhoda answers the door, looks at Peter, can't believe it's Peter. Apparently shuts the door in his face, runs back to tell the other disciples. Then they say, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy woman? And Peter's still out there knocking. Let's read the actual text in Acts 12. They said to her, You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying it is his angel. You know, his spirit has been is gone on going on to the Lord and stopping by to say hi. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. This is kind of funny to me, this story, but also a little sad. That they were praying for this very thing that God did. And they were so shocked. When it happened, God answers prayer. Reminds me of the story of the bar that was set to open in the small town. And the people of the town really didn't want that bar to open in their town. And so they gathered to pray against it coming. And one prominent church in town was very public and vocal about their prayers against this bar opening up. In fact, they prayed publicly, may lightning strike this bar and burn it to the ground. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. And so the bar owner sued the church. 
And the pastor before the judge said, we're not responsible for this. And the judge says, it appears that the bar owner believes more in prayer than the pastor. We had something like that similar in Marysville. Kathy mentioned Marysville where we pastored. An adult bookstore was rumored to be coming to our town. Fortunately, the city was against it, but the churches were against it, and Christians gathered to pray that this would not take place, and it never came. Thank God, it never came. Was it the city's work behind the scenes that caused it not to come, or was it the Christians uniting in prayer against it? I'd like to thank God answered our prayers, however he used it. Have you ever experienced healing in your bodies due to prayer? I have. Maybe you have too. And I prayed for a few people over the years that they would be healed from their physical ailment. And some were, even some amazing stories. And I don't have that gift. God answers prayer. I want to share this story. I think it's very powerful about answered prayer on the mission field. A missionary on furlough told this true story while visiting his home church in Michigan. While serving at a small field hospital in Africa, every two weeks I traveled by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies. This was a journey of two days and required camping overnight at the halfway point. On one of these journeys, I arrived in the city where I planned to collect money from a bank, purchase the medicine and supplies, then begin my two-day journey back to the field hospital. Upon arrival in the city, I observed two men fighting one of whom had been seriously injured. I treated him for his injuries and at the same time talked to him about the Lord. I then traveled two days, camping overnight, and arrived home without incident. Two weeks later, I repeated my journey. Upon arriving in the city, I was approached by the young man I had treated. He told me that he had known I carried money and medicines. He said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle knowing you would camp overnight. We planned to kill you and take your money and drugs. But just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. At this, I laughed and said, I was certainly all alone in that jungle campsite. The young man pressed the point, however, and said, no, sir. I was not the only person to see the guards. My five friends also saw them, and we counted them. It was because of those guards that we were afraid and left you alone. At this point in the sermon, one of the men in the congregation jumped to his feet and interrupted the missionary and asked if he could tell him the exact day this happened. The missionary told the congregation the date, and the man who interrupted told him this story. On the night of your incident in Africa, it was morning here, and I was preparing to go play golf. I was about to putt when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urging of the Lord was so strong, I called men in this church to meet with me here in the sanctuary to pray for you. Would all those men who met with me on that day stand up? The men who had met together to pray that day stood up. The missionary wasn't concerned with who they were. He was too busy counting how many men he saw. There were 26. So how do I pray? How do I engage my secret weapon? Let's look at what the text has to tell us. First thing I do, I pray in the spirit. 
Pray in the Spirit. Pray to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. Have you ever ever heard anyone say, man, I was really in the Spirit that night? So what does that mean? Are they just holy rollers? Is it just emotion? Well, God can work through emotion, can he? Nothing wrong with emotion. But God answers prayers not based on how loud you yell or cry. It's not based on emotion at all. It's based on the Spirit. A couple of possibilities for what that phrase, pray in the Spirit, means. First, the letter A, ask for the Spirit's guidance. Corresponding verse in Romans 8, 26 and 7 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You can ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray. You don't know what to pray for as you want. You, you don't have the words Ask, Holy Spirit, give me words. Perhaps you'll pray in a prayer language if you have that gift. And ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for you. Letter B, another way to understand this, pray in the Spirit, is depend on the Spirit's power. Corresponding verse Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. We ask God for something in prayer, and it doesn't immediately happen. And so we usually try to take matters into our own hands and make it happen on our own, or at least we try to. So we're praying. We're not sure what we should pray for, but we pray and then wait. Wait on God's Spirit to move in such a way that He determines the right timing for God's will to be done. Pray in the Spirit. Number two, pray at different times. Paul says all times, not just at meal times or bedtimes. Is that pretty much your prayer life? Meal time, a quick God bless his food before you go to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. It's easy to get into a routine with our prayers, isn't it? I encourage you to mix it up. Keep the lines of communication with God open. Don't hang up the phone. Don't put God on hold. Pray at different times during the day. Psalmist 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. Pray at different times during the day. Pray when you're stuck in traffic. Pray when you're taking a quiet walk in the woods. Shoot up some arrow prayers or flash prayers, which is telling God what you're seeing at that moment. Maybe you're seeing someone you want to pray for. Or what you're feeling at that moment. Just shoot that up to God and talk to him about it. Have a conversation about God, what's happening. Maybe schedule an hour for prayer. Remember the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer? Not sweet three minutes of prayer because I'm in a hurry. Set aside a day. Take a prayer retreat somewhere. Pray at all times. Number three, pray in different ways. Verse 18, with all prayer and supplication, which will keep it from becoming dull and routine for you. Maybe read a book on prayer to get some new ideas in praying. Uh, R.A. Torrey, Andrew Murray, they wrote great books on prayer. Do a prayer walk. Well, this is something that I've incorporated into my prayer life, and it has revolutionized my prayers. And I've talked to you about it before. I used to get very distracted in prayer. 
If I'm at home, I'm in the office, it's like there's a phone call coming in, there's somebody coming in, some, something that I want to open a book and read. I just get so distracted. But as I've done prayer walking, I get outside, get in in nature, and I just walk and start praying, just start talking to God. And you know what? You would think being outside, you'd be distracted by everything. I'm not. It's a miracle. And I can pray undistracted to God. And I can pray through my prayer list. Plus, I'm getting some exercise, and that's a good thing. Maybe get a prayer partner or prayer triad of people that you're meeting with regularly to pray together. That'll help you stay focused and on task. Your spouse, if you're married, there's a ready-made prayer partner for you right there. How little sometimes spouses pray together. If you're looking for a way to pray, a model of prayer, you could use the acrostic ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Begin with praise for God and of God and toward God. Spend some time just praising God when you begin your prayer time. Maybe play some Christian music to assist you in that. And then confess sins that the Holy Spirit brings to you and receive forgiveness. Don't just say, God, if I've sinned, forgive me. If it's something specific, then confess that sin and receive forgiveness. Thanksgiving, tell God specifically what you're thankful for. God, you have done this and this for me, and I'm so thankful. I praise your holy name. Supplications are prayers for yourself and others. Have a list. Maybe use the church directory and go down it. You could pray for every family, maybe in 30 minutes. Pray the Lord's Prayer. That, that is the model Jesus gave to his disciples for how to pray. You could pray it by memory, or you could pray the principles in the Lord's Prayer. You could pray the Psalms, like we're doing on Sunday mornings. Pray from other prayers that are found in the Bible. Pray the Word of God, which is your secret weapon. You could pray standing up. You could pray sitting down. You could pray on your face. You could pray with your eyes open, your eyes closed. You could pray with your hands folded neatly across your chest or pray with your hands up in the air. Kind of mix and match. It will help your prayers to not get routine and dull and boring. Be creative. Number four, pray persistently. Pray persistently. Keep alert with all perseverance. That word alert is a military term. Context of Physical warfare, the Roman soldier, right? Spiritual warfare, which much of praying is meant to be spiritual warfare against the enemy. Prayer is how you do that. Jesus said, watch and pray. The times we are living in are ripe for much prayer. If you're asleep in the middle of the night and you wake up at 3 a.m. and you can't fall back asleep, consider that a prayer appointment. Instead of just thrashing and turning back and forth, why not just pray? Or use that time for prayer. Be a watchman on the wall. Know what's happening in the world and alert the body of Christ to it. Again, the context is spiritual warfare. We're wise to Satan's schemes. And keep on praying. Persist. Endure. Don't give up when your prayer isn't immediately answered. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night long until he blessed him. George Mueller who ran orphanages in England, committed himself to praying for the salvation of five friends. A couple of them, it happened pretty quickly. One took several years. The last two friends he was praying for, he prayed every day for them for 55 years. 
for their salvation. He didn't give up. One got saved just before he died, and the last guy got saved after Mueller's death. You never know that your prayers can still be impactful even after you pass. By persisting, you show God, I'm serious about this, God. It's not a passing fad for me. I'm getting down and dirty with you and wrestling in the mud with you till you answer my prayer. When I was a young Christian, it was like my prayers were answered so quickly. I was like blown away. And I think God allowed that to encourage me as a young believer. Keep praying. I'm here. I hear you. I'm real. But you know what? As I'm matured in my faith, my prayers have not been answered always immediately. And I've had to learn to persist and endure in prayer. And I've realized God will test you. Abraham, he gave him the hope of having an heir. And yet Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Moses, the promise of leading my people into the promised land, 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. Prayer isn't always answered immediately, so we don't give up. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. By enduring in prayer, I learned to love God more. I realized God isn't a Pez dispenser. God isn't my genie that I rub the bottle and he hops to my commands. God wants to use prayer to have a personal relationship with you. That's how you relate to one another in communion with each other in prayer. Prayer is my daily walk and talk with God. So what about unanswered prayer? What happens then? That is a big obstacle for Christians persisting in prayer. They give up. They lose hope. I do. You do. Someone said that the purpose of unanswered prayer is to lead us from hearsay to heart sight. From knowing about God to really knowing him. It deepens my faith. Paul dealt with that issue of unanswered prayer in the book of 2 Corinthians with his thorn in the flesh. He says, I prayed three times for the Lord to remove it, and he didn't. So was Paul's thorn a physical malady? Was it a spiritual force of evil? Was it a disease like malaria, some suggest, which caused migraines and loss of eyesight, which are physical ailments Paul had? Was it a demon? Was it physical opponents like the Judaizers? Yes. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. There is a deep truth here about prayer for us to grasp. God's grace is always the answer to your prayers. More of him. He'll meet that need either soon or later with more of himself. And ultimately, that prayer will be answered in heaven someday. His grace is always sufficient. Maybe I'm single and I'm praying for a mate and I'm waiting and waiting. I'm praying, I'm praying. What's the answer? God's grace is sufficient. He'll give you himself. Maybe I'm praying for a physical healing. My, my body's hurting. I pray and pray. I wait and wait. God's grace is sufficient. He'll heal you. 
either soon or someday in heaven. Maybe I'm praying for guidance. Lord, give me wisdom. Show me what I'm to do. God's grace is sufficient. He will keep you in perfect peace while you wait on the answer. Jesus prayed, thy will be done. A prayer of acceptance. God will always do what's best for you in answer to your prayers. So maybe we should stop demanding and start depending. Number five, pray for all Christians. Yourself, your family, your relatives, your friends, your church family, Christians in Mechanicsville, Christians in Hanover County, Christians in Virginia, Christians in America, Christians around the world. Pray for Christians. Why should I pray for Christians? Because they're the ones accomplishing God's will. Don't they do that better than unbelievers? I would hope so. God can use unbelievers. He used Cyrus in the Old Testament to allow the people of Israel to go back and rebuild their city and their temple. But Christians are generally more open to listen to God's voice and to do God's will. They want to please God, I believe, I hope. And so that's why we should pray for other Christians, that they're hearing God's voice, that they're doing what God wants them to do, and God's kingdom is being built up. Don't we mostly pray for our problems? So Paul is saying here, stretch your horizons to other Christians in their situations. Especially pray that God would send more laborers into the harvest fields. They're ripe for harvest so that a revival would break out across this country and world. And ask people to pray for you. If you never ask people to pray for you, why? Are you too proud? You're depriving a fellow believer of blessing and you're losing out on a testimony. And, he, and that person is too that could be shared. Paul here Ask the Ephesian Christians to pray for him so he can fearlessly preach the gospel as he ought to. He needed prayer and you don't. Are you stronger than him? I'm not. Would you please pray for me? For the stuff we're dealing with right now in our lives and that just that I would teach and preach God's word fearlessly as I ought to. Point six. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. We see that in verses 19 through 21. Paul asks them to pray for him, but not in a general sort of way, like, hey, remember me in your prayers. What does that even mean? Pray. He was very specific. Again, give me the right words so I can share with people so they will hear the gospel and respond and get saved. That's specific. And if something's really important enough in your life, you'll share specifically with your prayer partners or with others. And tell your prayer partners what it is you need. You may have to be vulnerable. You may have to open up. You may have to be honest and say, I'm really struggling in this area of my life. Would you commit to pray for me? I had a, a friend from high school. We haven't seen each other in, I don't know how many years, 45 years, Kathy, 50 years, whatever it is. He called out of the blue and he's going through a hard time. And he said, I just need some Christian brothers to pray for me. Be committed and to hold me accountable in, in the church where I'm going out here in California. In the churches I found that just I just haven't found that. Would you pray for me? Tell them, inform your prayer partner specifically which it, what it is that you need. And would you tell them when the prayer is answered so they could be encouraged? 
You can use our church prayer list that's in the bulletin. The salvation prayer box, which is out in the hallway, that little box with the blue paper. If you have a loved one, a friend, somebody that needs salvation, write their name down. And there's a team of people that will be committed to pray for your loved one. And then update the church on answers to prayer. I don't know if you noticed when I was reading through the text, verse 18, Paul used the word all a lot in one sentence four times. John Bunyan called that the allness of prayer. Prayer is all compassing. Prayer is universal. Prayer is how God's will is accomplished in the earth. I want to move my prayer life from some of the time and some importance to all of the time. Not just some occasions, but all occasions. Not, I'll pray when I'm in the mood to, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to talk to my father about this. You've heard that Satan hates the praying Christian. He can handle you, but not God. He doesn't want you praying. He'll do anything and everything to distract you from prayer. If you're noticing right now as you're listening to me, you're thinking, wow, I'm always distracted when I'm praying. Guess what? Spiritual warfare. Don't let him stop you from praying. Take authority over him in the name of Jesus. Prayer is your secret weapon, Christian. So we come to the book of the end of the book of Ephesians. I hope you've enjoyed it and benefited from it. I know I've enjoyed going through a book of the Bible and preaching through it verse by verse. Next, in two weeks, I'm going to start a series on the seven deadly sins. So I hope you'll be there for that. Paul closes his letter with a word about Tychicus, his dear friend and fellow servant in the Lord, who will update them on Paul's condition in jail. And then Paul closes with a beautiful benediction of peace, love, faith, and grace be upon God's church. Let's pray. Lord, I would pray that that your peace, your joy, your love, your faithfulness, your power would be upon this church. And Father, as we now enter into a time of quiet reflection before you feed us your supper, Lord, I pray that if there's anything that we need to confess of sin, that we prepare our hearts to take communion today. If we have aught with our brother or sister, that we make that right as soon as we can. That, that we focus on you and this sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. So, Lord, I pray that you you would strengthen us spiritually by the taking of the bread and the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took 